0: thankful that we are here. We are so thankful that we can open up your word and we can learn from it. And Father, I ask that you just guide my words today and let them be yours. Uh, Get me out of the way, Lord, and let this all be for you. Amen. Okay, so in in our reading, what we're doing with our Bible reading plan is every day we are reading a new chapter. So sometime within this last week, you have sh- you should have, or hopefully read, and I know that life gets in the way and it's difficult, Second Corinthians is what we're in, um, 2 Corinthians 7 is what we should have done a week ago, and then on to now, which is 2 Corinthians 13, which was today's reading. And there's so much to choose from, that's a very hard thing to say, hey, pick something out of these seven chapters and find something to teach about, because there's so much in there that you can teach about, so much that Paul, um, the Apostle Paul, tells us. And we learn a lot about him and what his desires were. And there's so many things that he speaks of that I completely relate to that I wish I didn't relate to. And uh, I was going to call this, because we're always trying to come up with some fun name for our sermon or our topic or what we're speaking about. And this was going to be the cons of Christianity, but the first one is actually a com, so that screwed it all up. Okay, <laughs> so, so the words are um, compare, conform, and confound. So the first one is found in 2 Corinthians 10, 7. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 7. And it says, do you look according to the outward appearance if anyone is convincing himself that he is Christ's, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ's. So that teaches us about comparison. And I don't know about you, but I am definitely in fault of comparison. You know, I will look at someone or I know someone looks at me and, and um, it's just, you compare. You look at their outward appearance. You look at something. You look at maybe what they drove, you know, anything. And then you prejudge. And I've looked, um, or I looked online, and it says that, in fact, first impressions that you have with someone are made within seven seconds. So seven seconds after someone seeing you or you seeing someone else, you've already come with some type of a judgment or some type of a fact in your head of who you think they are from that seven minutes. And that's kind of hard to fathom. You know, before you've even uttered a word, somebody has thought something about you. And that actually came very, um, you know, I've always known that growing up my life. You know, I um, have dealt with a lot of things where I've had people that you know, I've always been overweight. When I was a child, I was much more overweight. So I know that there were people that looked at me and didn't want to be my friend because I was overweight and and they wanted, you know, they just they just didn't want to be associated with me. And then I found that when I lost some weight there were some people that didn't want to be associated with me because I had lost weight. It was like, I just couldn't find this, you know, medium with people. And it, it, it's like, I always thought, man, if I just had lost this weight, life would be different. And it really wasn't. There was still that judgment. And there were still people that did that. And we really need to focus on not doing that as much as we can. And it's a very hard thing to do. It's just what we do but we need to get away from that and just know that this person that's in front of you is Christ's creature. No matter where they came from, no matter what they're doing, they are equally a child of the risen king just like you are. So we can't look at those things. And and I thought as I grew up that things would be different and I thought that this whole judgment thing, sometimes I think, you know, that it's just me that's doing this, that it's just me that's feeling that way, but it's really not. And, um, when I started doing comedy, it really became prevalent. I really saw this. Because uh, I always mowed lawns for a living, that's what I did. So I dressed like a guy, you know, lawn boots and my hair pulled back. So when I started doing comedy, when God gave me that, the first couple of times that I was in the comedy club or doing an open mic, I was all excited because I said, I can be a girl. You know, I can wear my hair down and I can wear makeup and this is gonna be great, right? And the shows, you know, these open mics that I did, a few of them, they went okay. They were good. It was all good. But there was one day that I came from mowing lawns, and they called, and they said, hey, is there any way you can come and do five minutes at this comedy club? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, sure, I can do this, right? All I had time to do was take a shower. (laughs) It was like, take a shower. Couldn't really put new makeup on. Pulled my hair back in a braid because it was wet. And I went up on that stage, and I did comedy. And it was the same jokes that I had told before, but I got the biggest laughter that I had ever gotten. And I thought, what? <laughs> this is, it's the same knock-knock joke. Well, not really, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like—it's the same joke. What was the difference? And when I had started doing comedy, there was a class that I went to. It was a comedy class you know, that another comedian did. And he said, you know, you're funny. And he goes, but you're going to have a hard time in comedy because you're pretty. So he said, women aren't going to like you, and they're not going to let their husbands laugh at you. And I thought, you know, he's, th- this guy's crazy, right? I'm a grandma, really? They're, they're intimidated? You know, all I need is a cane. Really? OK, so, so whatever. So after I did that show, though, I realized that he was absolutely true. Because the first few minutes of me, the first few seconds, now we know seven seconds, of me getting up on that stage people are judging me. They're looking at me and they're having this prejudgment. So if you've seen me on stage now, you see I wear my hair pulled back and shorter. I wear baggier clothes. I wear baggier jeans. And it's to take me out of the equation so people aren't looking at me right away and they're just listening to what I have to say. And, um, you know, who would have known? (laughs) It is. It's amazing. And there was one comic that... um, I'm not going to say her name, but she's a very well-known comedian. And she's absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous. And when she's on stage, she's gorgeous. She has a perfect figure, perfect hair, perfect makeup, wears these nice little dresses. I mean, she just looks. She's a knockout on stage. But she gets all these laughs. And I remember talking to my dad. And I said, Dad, I don't get it. Why can she do that and I can't do that? And he said, Sissy, because when she opens her mouth, she's ugly. Because she was a dirty comic, so that changed her outward appearance. Yes, she looked gorgeous on stage, but the minute she started cursing and using the language, she was no longer a threat to the other women or to the you know, it just changed everything. And it took Daddy telling me that. so thank but you, thank you, daddy. That's right. Thank you, daddy. <laughs> so um, it's you know, it's just it's completely horrible that we do that. And the Apostle Paul says just to be very careful that we don't do that. We have to remember, like I said, we are all children of Christ. There's no one greater. There's no one above another. Just because I'm up here teaching the Word doesn't make me any different than any, anyone else that's doing anything. You know, it is just, we've all been called, called to do something. And um, I don't know, did do any of y'all ever see the movie Selena? Did you see the movie Selena? Some of you have. Some of you haven't. Okay. Those of you that haven't seen it, Selena is a true story about um, um, a Tejano, Mexican woman, that was a singer. And when she first started singing, and she sang in uh, Corpus Christi, Christi, Texas, she had a few songs on the radio that were doing well, American songs. She was an American, you know, girl. And she was a young Mexican girl, beautiful. Well, she was going to be in the Grammys. She was up for a Grammy. And she told her friend, hey, we need to go get you a dress because I want you to come with me to the Grammys. And she goes, oh, my gosh, that would be great. So she gets her friend, and they go to the mall. And they're in one of those very expensive stores. So they're in there, and they're looking at this dress, right? And the woman behind the sales counter comes over, and she goes, "Um, can I help you? And she said, yeah, we want to try on this dress. And the woman, you know, just does one of those, mm-hmm, and looks at her and goes, that dress is $600, right? So, so Selena very nicely goes, can we just try on the dress, okay? So when they're in the dressing room, and she's, it's cute because she's trying to get that dress on her friend. She goes, oh, girl, I want this to fit, you know, because she wanted to buy it. But when she was in there, somebody saw her and noticed and realized who she was. So they go running out and they start telling people, Selena's there, Selena's there, Selena's there. So in the next scene, you see this entire store is packed with people that want Selena's phone number and want her autograph, not her phone number, but her autograph, I'm sure somebody wanted her phone number. Anyway, you know, wanted her autograph because of who she was. And um, then that lady, the saleswoman, kind of had to eat her words, you know, because she was looking at her. And Selena, and this had to be a wonderful moment for her that she was able to look over and go, "Uh, we don't want the dress. (laughs) You know, so that to me was, you know, it's just so true that that's just what we do. That's just who we are. That woman looked down upon her because she didn't know who she was. You know, and um, in Hebrews 13, verse 2, it says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for in doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Amen. And I am sure there are times in our lives that people have been put in front of us and that we've done something good for or we've said something to or we have been Christ to somebody that at that particular moment needed it and you probably didn't even know it you know and that's what we need to do we need to be that person and that's what the apostle paul's talking about second corinthians 10 verse 12 he says for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves to those who commend themselves but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise and that just means you know there are some people that think so highly of themselves and they're always wanting to compare themselves to someone else who's so high up there too that really they're just fools. You know, because that's not what it's about. It's not about what you think of yourself. It's not about what others think of you. It is all about what God thinks of you and what you're doing for him because that's what's important. And Second Corinthians 10:17 says, but he who glorifies in the Lord... For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. And that's what we need to look for. And also, don't compare yourself with your knowledge or lack of knowledge of the word. Don't feel bad if you don't know as much about the word as someone else does. Trust me, I feel that way. I'm very intimidated because I don't know near <laughs> not a you know not one 30 seconds of what Wendy Hodges knows to be up here and teaching you know but I don't I don't want to feel bad about that because we all have different things in in how we how we know and what we know of the Bible and what God's revealed and what he continues to reveal as we get further and further in his word. And not one of us is better. Like I said, we're all children of the risen King, and His grace and mercy is sufficient for us all. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to each and every one of you, do not think highly, more highly of yourself than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. And if it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. So ladies, let's not compare. I also want to add, um, if you do know about the word, um, we have to be careful too not to make others feel bad that they don't. And um, this is going to be a a kind of a personal thing that I can do. Um, My husband is a new believer in Christ, for those of you that know, right? So if uh, and he went out to breakfast with some people. And a couple of them were very highly knowledgeable in the Bible. And he felt very uncomfortable. You know, and that's just not something that, that we want to do. You know, we want to always think about the people that are with us and what we're doing. Because, yes, we all need to gain knowledge in the Bible. And I think, it's, I think it's wonderful that people want to delve further and further and further into the Word. But we really also have to be careful you know, that we're not discouraging to anybody else along the line, you know. So that's another con. Don't confound a new believer. <laughs> um, recently, I went to a ladies' retreat, and a woman was teaching on Rahab, all right, and this was having to do with that um, knowing more about a certain story or particular story than someone else, and this just happened over the weekend. And she was going over the story of Rahab, and I love the story of Rahab. I mean, we've studied it here, you know, harlot to heroine. I mean, it's just, it's just this wonderful story about this woman, you know, typical pretty woman, right? Like that movie where she went from a harlot to being in the, the lineage of Jesus Christ, you know. And that's just amazing that God can do that. And um, I just love the story. So this woman was going over the story. And in my head, I kept thinking of all the things she was leaving out. You know, I'm like, oh, but this, this is so good, and oh, this is so good, you know. But I didn't say anything. And I just sat and I just listened because it didn't matter. All right. I just sat and listened. It wouldn't have done any good for me to come out and say, Oh, wait, you forgot this. Or, oh, wait a minute, this is going on. You know, it it wouldn't have done anything, it wouldn't have helped anyone. And as the woman was teaching, Then she said, this was the first time she'd ever taught anything, ever, in a church. And she was excited that they had asked her, and she was humbled that they had asked her. And I thought, whoa, thank you, Lord, for shutting my mouth. You know, for once he was able to do it. (laughs) You know, because, because, you know, if I had said something or done, I may have intimidated her to not, not teach again or not speak again. You know, so I was so glad that I didn't say anything. And, um, you know, she was doing something that she wasn't used to doing. God was stretching her. You know, it's kind of like what's happening to me right now. (laughs) You know, God is stretching me to do this. Um, And for me not saying, hey, you left this out, you left this out, like I said, it wouldn't have done anything to help her in her journey at all. And there was nothing that she said that was, you know, that was uh, doctrinally unsound. You know, there were just some things she was leaving out You know, that I wanted to tell, I wanted to say. But she did fine. And I do have to admit that it was hard for me to just sit there because I love the story. But like I said, it would not have served a purpose. And you look at that through the teachings of the Apostle Paul in 1 and 2 Corinthians that we've looked at, and um, he did that. Several times when you read his stories, he said that he would not speak above the knowledge of those with him. Right? He would conform to what they were, but he would not conform to who they were. Did I say that right? He would conform to them, but not conform to them? Sound like a schizo. Okay. (laughs) Danny talked about that before. I think that's the problem I have on Danny's mic. That's the issue. That's why I'm confused. (laughs) But he said that if they didn't eat something because of their belief, then he wouldn't eat something because of their belief. You know, he wouldn't do anything to cause his brother to stumble, even though in his belief he had the freedom to do so. Corinthians 8 verse 9 says, we do need to be careful that, that if we exercise our rights, that it does not become a stumbling block to the weak. And we can use that teaching forward in everything that we do. We have to be very careful to encourage people along and not cause them to stumble. Because the most important thing in this book that we read is to know and have the knowledge of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's what we want to give others. The knowledge of Christ and the forgiveness of sins. Once people have that knowledge, then they can move forward to know about the Bible. But if we teach them about Christ and they accept Christ and immediately we start talking pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, right, (laughs) then we're going to confuse them because trust me, it confuses me, (laughs) right? So it may be possible that we discourage them and that's the last thing that we want to do. Another verse in Corinthians reading that has always stood out to me was when Paul talked about having a thorn in the flesh, you know. Paul talks about that something in his flesh that was given to him, and he called it a messenger of Satan. We find that in um, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And it says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations that he was getting from the Lord, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded for the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sakes, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong." It doesn't specify what that thorn in his flesh was, but it's something that kept him firmly grounded in God. It's something that kept him in prayer, something that kept him humble. It kept him from being exalted in his own mind because of all the wonderful things Christ was doing and, and showing him. And it seems that that's true and well in our lives, and I completely understand that. It seems as when things are going well in our lives, and everything is going good, we have this tendency to not go to God as much, you know? Because everything's happy. Everything's fine. We're good. Things are good. But when we've got something in our lives that's troubling us or hurting us, or a thorn, it keeps us praying. It keeps us on our knees. It keeps us close to God. And I find that so many times in the Bible. There's so many different stories where people are brought to their knees to get closer to the Lord. The Apostle Paul pleaded in verse 8. You might hear him say concerning the sayings. Like I said, he pleaded with the Lord three times that it would be taken away from him, and it didn't. It's one of the hardest things to do. I have had a thorn in my side. I still have a thorn in my side. It's a very private thorn, but it's there. And I've prayed years for it to be different and it's not but I know that with that thorn and the trials that that thorn has given me it has brought me closer and closer and closer to God it has made me depend upon the Lord and not upon myself it has kept me grounded in this word and kept me closer to the Lord so for that I'm thankful of that thorn has enabled me several times to see the mercy of Christ. We have to remember that no matter what that thorn is that we have, and I do believe that all of us have something that afflicts us, whether it's mental, physical, or spiritual, it keeps us focused on Christ. Something happened to me recently. It was about um, maybe four months ago now. Time seems like it's flying so fast, doesn't it? So it was about four months ago. I I have uh, three grandchildren. My one granddaughter is in soccer and they live in Sarasota. So me being grandma, (laughs) every Saturday morning I do my best to get to the soccer games, which is an hour away. Well, I was doing a ladies conference in Orlando. It was a Friday night to Saturday afternoon was the conference. I was performing Friday night. Then after leaving the conference in Orlando, Saturday afternoon, I was going to have to drive to Boca Raton, which is another three hours away, to do another show. So I'm on my way to that show, and my daughter calls and says, hey, mom, you do remember that tomorrow, Saturday, is Alina's last soccer game. <gasps> what? Wait a minute. You know, So I'm thinking, okay, honey, all right. So I'm at that conference and I performed that evening and it was fine and I just was thinking, all right, I really wanna go see my granddaughter play soccer, that makes, that makes no sense though, I'm in Orlando, it's gonna be a two hour drive to Sarasota and then a two hour drive back to Orlando to pick up my mom and my friend because they wanted to be at the conference and then drive from there to go to Boca Raton. No, that makes no sense, Nope, no, 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 no. So overnight I tossed and turned and tossed and turned while well, I finally decided I gotta go see my granddaughter perform, right? So I get up early and I get in my truck and I drive the two hours to Sarasota from Orlando and I get there and here's the soccer game. Of course, my granddaughter sees me. She's like, all happy to see me, which she always is. She doesn't know I drove two hours to see her. So halfway through the soccer game, my granddaughter gets pelted in the face with a soccer ball. Hard. Game comes to this screeching halt and I am at the edge of my chair, just wanting to hop up. But of course, my daughter gets up, and she goes out to my, she goes out to my granddaughter, and she comforts her. And I'm just just waiting. You know, grandma wants to go. So um, they take Alina out of the game, and they sit her in the bleachers, or her in her, it's not a dugout, because it's soccer, I don't know, whatever it's called, the bench over there on the sidelines, which is directly across the soccer field from where I am. And as soon as she sat down, she looked at me and she went. And I was like, me? You know?" And she nods, yes. So I got up and I went as fast as I could around that soccer field. And I went to my granddaughter. And when I got closer to her, she stood up and she lifted her arms and she said, ma'am, it hurts. And I said, I know, baby, I know it hurts. And, you know, she's not, you know, eight years old. I still just picked her up in my arms, and I sat down, and I held her. And I said, it's okay, baby, it's all going to be all right. And I was so thankful (laughs) that I was there. And as I'm holding her, I'm like, that's why I drove. (laughs) That's it right there, you know. So when I got in the truck and I was driving back to Orlando. I was praising God. You know, I was just like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you for waking me up. Thank you for bringing me here. Thank you for this. I love my granddaughter so much. And God impressed upon me, as much as you love your granddaughter, I love my children more. And when he sees you, and he sees your pain and your hurt, he's right there with his hands on both sides of his chair waiting, waiting for you to go. And he is going to run to you. And he is not going to go around that field. He is going to run through that field. And he is going to pick you up, and he's going to let you say, it hurts And he's going to say, I know, baby, but it's all going to be better. That is what our God is waiting to do. That's what he wants to do. He is bigger and better and greater than anything that you and I could ever face or go through. And it's not a surprise to him what's going on in your life. So you give it to him. It's very quiet in here. listening. Okay. So, so um, call on God. Let him give you that peace that surpasses all understanding. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is a promise from God. Let him get you back in the game. Okay? And don't worry about that. Confounded thorn. It's another con. I'm going to share something else with you today that um, I know a lot of you have seen the, uh, or have heard about the shooting in Pinellas Park. Some of you are shaking your heads, no, some of you are. Uh, there was a shooting in Pinellas Park, and um, this uh, husband was upset with his wife because she was leaving him, and he went to her business and drugged her outside and shot her four times. She's in um, in the hospital, undergoing several surgeries and critical condition. Critical condition. Um, and then the husband, there was a standoff, and I do not believe he's made it through that. Um, he works with my husband. So it's been something that has been, like, just incredible. Um, you know, this is one of his employees. And we definitely have to keep the family and the prayers, but it just made me think so much about the frailty of life, you know. And the great commission that Paul has and that he's always talking about is the gospel, spreading the gospel, telling people about Christ, letting them know, because you don't know when that last day is going to happen or when it's going to come. You don't know that. So I'm sharing another story. Sorry, these are all stories <laughs> about me. But um, way before comedy, this has probably been 12 years ago now, um, my, my mother-in-law, her brother, um... I didn't know if he knew the Lord or didn't know the Lord, and I always wanted to talk to him about God, but I find myself very hard to do that. You know, believe it or not, you guys are probably thinking, what, are you kidding me? You know, but I I am very bad at one-on-one talking to people about Christ. I let them know what I believe. I let them know I love Jesus. You know, my husband got me this cross, and people always say how nice and pretty it is, and that for me is a window to go, it's because I love Jesus. You know, but... But I'm not one of those to just walk up to somebody and say, have you found the Lord? You know, because I, I, I don't know if they're going to say, well, I wasn't looking. You know, I don't, I don't know what they're going to say. So I, I'm just not good about doing that. And so um, Uncle Bill didn't show up um, for Easter. A couple days later, we found out that Uncle Bill had taken his life. And I... Was so upset with myself because I never talked to him about God, and I. This was when I was still mowing lawns, and um, I used to mow the lawn for St. Pete Christians School, Suncoast Cathedral, and I had to go and pick up my paycheck from them for mowing the lawn. And when I went in there to get it in the office, I said, "Look, is the is the sanctuary open? Can I just can I just go in?" And I said, no, the sanctuary is not open, but the, um, they had a little cathedral. The cathedral is, and they, I didn't even know they had one. So they pointed me in the direction. It's just a little tiny chapel. So I go into that chapel. There's nobody else in there. And I'm crying, crying out to God. I'm crying and you know, forgive me, Lord, for not talking to him. He was a good man, Lord. Have mercy on his soul, which, of course, we know we can't do that. You know, they have to make that decision beforehand. And I, it just really hit me hard. It was really a devastating thing for me. So that evening when I'm sitting at home and I'm still just thinking about all of this, I hear in my soul, he didn't die right away, he came to me. Now, I'm like, you know, what? You know, because this is early in my you know, heavy walk with God, so I'm just going, what, 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 what did I just hear? So I heard again, He didn't die right away. He came to me. There was no pain. Have peace. And immediately I felt peace because I thought, did he come to you, Lord? Did he come to you right? You know, wait a minute. Now, see, Uncle Bill was an expert marksman in the military. That's what he did. He took his own life by shooting himself in the chest, in his heart. He wrapped himself up with a blanket so that he would not be a burden to anyone after he was gone by having to pick up after him this is who this man is. He was a very good man. Being that he's an expert marksman and in the military and knows everything about the anatomy, shooting himself should have been an instantaneous death. So the next day I was with um, my mother-in-law and we're talking and the phone rang or or it wasn't the next day, I'm sorry, it was a few days later or whatever. And the uh, phone rang and it was the The mortician, the person that does the autopsy, medical examiner, coroner, medical examiner. So, because we were looking for something, some reason why he would do this, you know. Did he have cancer? Did he have a heart attack? Did he have some issue that he was afraid of that he wanted to do this, you know, because that's what we always do. We're trying to seek a reason why this person would do this. So... um, she said on the phone. She goes, "Well, no, we didn't see anything. There was no kind of cancer. There's no kind of blockages. There's nothing, and he was a very healthy man." And she goes, "But I can tell you this: he did not die right away. But don't worry, there was no pain, right?" So I went, "Okay." So I relayed the information to my mother-in-law and talked to her. Still afraid about talking about Jesus, (laughs) because it's what we do. Um, And then I went to work. This is when I worked at Publix as well. I used to stock shelves and work uh, work at Publix in Dulan, So I was at Publix. And when I was at Publix, one of our customers that came through was a nurse. She was friends of ours, because our daughters went to the same school. And I'm talking to her, and she said, you look troubled. And I told her minutely about the situation, and um, that he had shot himself. And I said, it's really bothering me. And she goes, oh, but you can just have peace, because there was no pain. Because she's a triage nurse, so she knows. She said, when something like that happens, your body automatically knows. Like, it knew, the pain. It knew that he was shot, so there wasn't a pain in that, in that respect. But, but she said, since there was blood in his lungs, he didn't die right away. But have peace. There was no pain. Yeah, how really. So how incredible was it that our God let me know? And then we saw, when we were um, cleaning up you know the, where he lived crumbled up in the garbage can was a suicide note that he didn't leave out and it said as usual i have prayed i prayed to god for G- and jesus christ for help but i got none is what he wrote but he did the reality is he did because he did not die right away which he should have so the answer to that prayer of god say, of him saying lord i need you to help me lord i need you to help me God did help him, but it was at the very last moment of his life. But in that time, I do believe with all of my heart and soul that he tried to kill himself, that he missed. And while he was there, he said, Lord, forgive me. And that's all it took for him to be saved. That's our Lord. But that is the reality of our lives. That's the reality of what we are commissioned to do. We are commissioned to tell people, just like the Apostle Paul says, I would rather die. He says, I'd rather die and be with the Lord than than go through what I'm going through here on this earth, but I'm doing this to tell people about the Lord, to tell people what God did for them, what Christ did for them, and what their eternity, the joy that they can have. And we've got to do that. We have to be bold. And I'm speaking to myself (laughs) as much as I'm speaking to you that we have to be bold in doing this because we don't have a guaranteed tomorrow. That young woman, not young woman, I'm not sure how old she was. I think she was in her 40s is what my husband thinks. Um, She did not know this morning when she went to work what was going to happen. She did not know that that was going to happen. So we don't know. And we need to be obedient to Christ. We need to be obedient when we hear and feel in our heart that he's wanting us to say something to somebody. Even if we don't know that somebody, be obedient. Because it might be just that one word. It might be just that one thing at the clerk behind the counter in the supermarket or, or anywhere. That one word that might be just enough encouragement to make people think about Jesus or to make people think that there's something more that they need, or that they want. So, I'm going to leave you (laughs) with what the Apostle Paul says in his final greetings in 2 Corinthians 13. He says, Finally, brothers and sisters, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the and the god of love and peace will be with you greet one another with a holy kiss all the saints send their greetings may the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with all of you so we have a half an hour now so we're going to break into our you know like like wendy says little groups of you know 3 or 4 Turn around with the people around you. Get to know them. All right. Talk about what you've read over. Talk about I don't know if you want to talk about anything I said tonight, but talk about um, the word and what you've gotten from it, and what God has done for you in this past week, or what He's shown you in the word, and and what you would like. Sound good?